Welcome to episode 126 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest insight scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. But before we get started, just an apology to our viewers and listeners. Um, Anshul was at reInvent. He plans to talk about that as his first topic today. And I was in the Baltic region in Latvia, Riga, Latvia, the capital of Latvia, for 5G Tecretory. So I was on the other side of the world. And so that's why we didn't have an episode last week and we're recording early this week. But let me get into uh, to my first topic. I wanna talk about 5G Tecretory. I know that may sound like it doesn't roll off the tongue that easily, but this event, this was the fifth year the event was held. Obviously during the pandemic, they went to a virtual event. Um, I've been a part of this event since its inception. Um, Patrick, you know, our chief analyst, he jokes often and, and asks me, when am I getting the key to Riga, Latvia? And <laughs> I'm still working on that. I actually asked the Tecretory team this week uh, if that was ready. But long and the short of it, this event started out as sort of a niche event in the Baltic region. Um, the Baltics are obviously very close to the Russian border. They share they share a border with Russia. Um but you know, none of that was center stage. Really, what this this event was focused on is really uh, 5G and, and use cases. And the sponsors are quite impressive for this event. Um, Nokia and Cisco were among many of the sponsors. And what I really like about this event is that it's very practical. They focus on specific 5G use cases to really highlight uh, the disruptive potential for 5G. Um, like in years past, I was asked to moderate panels, so I moderated two. Um, I moderated one around um, the debate um, with respect to, to over the tops and the potential for needed legislation in the European Union to sort of level the playing field. Um, but there are lots of complicated issues here with net neutrality and that sort of thing. But it was a spirited panel. We had a spirited Q&A. Um, but at the end of the day, my conclusion in a Forbes article that I wrote just last week, so hit my Twitter feed if you're interested. I summarized the two panels that I moderated here at this event. But at the end of the day, you know, um, legislation, especially when it comes to net neutrality, could stifle innovation and, and be counter, you know, productive uh, to what needs to be accomplished. And so clearly in this panel, um, we had Sky UK. Uh, they're a huge content streaming service uh, that many people are familiar with. And Meta was also um, a part of this panel. And they really talked about the investments that they're making in edge enablement, um, caching, you know, CDN networks and that sort of thing uh, to offload a lot of that, um, that load on the network. So I found that quite, um, quite compelling. And then the second panel I moderated um, was around accessibility. And I think as our viewers and listeners know, I'm very passionate about the digital divide. I'm working on my first book. I'll be traveling to four different parts of the world next year, finally, post-pandemic, um, to write this travelogue. But what this panel focused on was uh, dis the disabled, both permanently disabled and temporarily disabled people, and what needs to be done to, to drive inclusion. Um, and so actually in Europe, uh, there's something called the European Accessibility Act. And part of that scope is around ensuring um, digital inclusion for people. And so... Um, I'll stop short of, you know, summarizing that. But again, I did publish a Forbes article um, last Friday, and that contains um, all of my feedback. But again, you know, this event, it's been a niche event, but it's really it's really kind of stepping out of the shadows of some of the larger events like the Mobile World Congress series. And it's really becoming um, really a key event in, in Europe in, in particular. But 
with that, I know you want to talk about reInvent. Unfortunately, I did get the invite, but I was halfway around the world. But why don't you share some insights uh, that you found interesting? Yeah, I I was able to attend reInvent in person. Um, and this was actually my first reInvent. Uh, and, you know, it happens every year this time in December. Yeah. Um, and I actually attended it uh, because I have multiple areas that I cover, including 5G. Um, I also covered some of the, the gaming stuff as well as some of the um, immersive and, you know, spatial computing stuff. But we're going to focus mostly on um, 5G stuff. So um, this was not necessarily a reInvent announcement, but it's reInvent and AWS adjacent and relevant. Um, that being that, um, you know, Vodafone announced their Edge Innovation Lab. Mm -hmm. um, which is uh, in partnership with Kindrel, uh, and they basically opened this, um, you know, in England, uh, and they were uh, dedicated this mech server application uh, with AWS, um, and, and they already have some mech zones in Manchester as part of their wavelength infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, they're definitely getting more aggressive um, on Mac in the UK with AWS. Yeah. Uh, and then there was also uh, a JMA announcement um, that they would be deploying their 5G XRAN solution um, on AWS's Elastic Kubernetes service, um, also known as EKS. Mm -hmm. um, and they also um, talked about how um, their XRAN solution is cloud native um, and uses CBRS uh, to achieve up to a gigabit per second of throughput. So um, this is, you know, a big deal. JMA, as you know, is a pretty big player in the space. They are. And um, this is a, a good win for AWS in terms of helping them to deploy um, more rapidly and, and potentially save costs for their customers. And then the other was with Intel um, on Intel's FlexRAN that they were working on using the same EKS service um, and validating Intel's uh, FlexRAN for that use case. So um, that those were like the biggest announcements. Um, but there was also a Deutsche Telekom announcement around um, Amazon's external key management service as well. So, um, you know, these are like, you know, not necessarily uh, the most exciting announcements. Right. Um, but I think they're also very crucial in enabling um, Amazon's customers um, to enable CSPs to deploy 5G um, ran in the cloud. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on, on these announcements. Yeah, just one comment. And um, thank you for, for attending uh, on my behalf since I had the conflict there. But I continue to be impressed with Vodafone. They're trying new things. Um, certainly, when you look at um, the carrier investment, AT&T in particular, and Verizon, the investment they're making with the hyperscalers, AWS and, uh, and Azure, uh, to edify their networks. We're beginning to see that happen in Europe and really Vodafone is the first. Um, Vodafone is also very aggressively embracing, embracing Open RAN. So um, I believe that we'll, we'll continue to see other operators in Europe sort of follow suit with Vodafone and edify their networks like we've seen many of the US operators do as well. But again, I think Vodafone is someone to watch. Um, they try a lot of things. They're not always successful, but I give them a lot of kudos and credit for at least putting themselves out there and, and sort of being bleeding edge 
in a European market, that's that's very challenging because I was just over there. I mean, all of these countries that speak these different languages that are all close to one another have different approaches to how they manage spectrum auctions and how they're deploying 5G and how they're trying to figure out the roaming agreements and, and that sort of thing. So the European Union is, is inherently a much more complex um, you know, geography for the deployment of 5G. And that's why I think it's been a little slower and behind the US, but um, you know, things like the Vodafone announcement are, are encouraging there. But let me move to my second topic this week. And um, I caught this news about Bharti Airtel and Meta. They're partnering together to extend a subsea cable to India. And it got me thinking, what does this mean exactly for, um, for, for Bharti Airtel's 5G deployment? So the details are um, uh, to, to Africa, the number two Africa is the subsea cable system. And then what Airtel and uh, Meta are doing is they're extending, they're extending that, that current infrastructure with something called Two Africa Pearls, which basically is going to, you know, connect um, the other end uh, within the city of Mumbai. And, you know, from my perspective, the operators need additional capacity for backhaul for 5G deployment. And so I think for, for Bharti Airtel, there's certainly a significant uh, mobile network operator in India, but we often talk about reliance and their investment and how aggressive they are in, um, in, in their desire uh, to be ubiquitously cover, um, you know, the country of India with uh, with 5G. And I think this is a great move for Bharti. I mean, partnering with Meta, um, Facebook is no stranger to this. You know, Facebook was involved with the telecom uh, project for many years, and they were really focused on extending um, you know, connectivity to underserved areas. And obviously that was to, to drive, you know, usage and, a, you know, adoption of, of their platforms and their applications, whether it's Facebook or, or the metaverse. But um, I think this is a strong, um, you know, opportunity for, for Bharti to really, you know, push, push their 5G deployment in India. But I don't know if you have any further feedback you want to add there. Um, I don't really have any particular um, insights that what I would consider unique. Yeah. Um, but I would also say just to add that I think um, India is going to need as much bandwidth as it can get. Um, okay. All the projections that we're seeing with 5G use cases and 5G data consumption, it's, you know, anywhere in the ballpark of 5 to 10x um, in the next few years. So I think they're going to need every ounce of data they can get uh, coming from whatever sources they, they can get it from. I agree. And when you look at the population of India as well, um, they're going to have more people on, on the networks and it's going to be putting more load and more stress on those networks. So, you know, you absolutely, you, you never have enough capacity from, from my perspective. But um, let's move to your second topic this week. And, and I caught this as well. Um, Ericsson published its uh, mobility report for November and you want to provide some insights from that. Yeah, so the, there are a lot of insights in there. Um, you know, Erickson does a very good job with this report. I actually have it open as I'm speaking with you right now. Yeah. Um, and the really big ones that I think, you know, reverberated within the industry um, were their forecasts for the end of this year. Um, they were they are expecting a total of 1 billion 5G users by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, 100 million fixed wireless customers by the end of this year. Wow. Um, and they also expect that number to grow to 300 million by 2028. So mm -hmm. a considerable number of, um, you know, total user consumption of, 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 
uh, fixed wireless is going to grow considerably. Um, that said, there will be billions of other connections between 4G and 5G. Yeah. Um, but I think the expectation is that um, this is kind of their forecast for 2028. Um, and there's a lot of interesting numbers out there, but uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on these numbers as well. Well, um, the 5G number doesn't surprise me, but the projection for FWA does, because uh, I've gotten asked this question from a, a number of clients, you know, in general around, you know, what I really believe the true market size is for, for fixed wireless access, 5G services. And um, I'm going to spend a little more time because I'm obviously, I'm getting back from this European trip and getting caught up on sleep and jet lag. But um, just initially, um, that number, I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but that number seems a little high to me. But again, I want to dig into that report and understand that a little bit more. Yeah, it seems like um, they are incorporating, you know, 4G and 5G together as one. Oh, um, okay, that, that makes all sense. Of the, all yeah. of the 4G connections that are still FWA. Um, and that is over 100 million. If you look at the graph, I can't show the graph because I, I don't have that um, ability to do that right now, but um, I can try. And, and see if it works. Um, but basically the way I look at it is, um, you know, it's not really, um, you know, able to uh, make a huge difference. Actually, I can do it right here. So um, as you see uh, right here, uh, the purple lines are not really, um, the, the dark purple is 5G and the light purple uh, is, okay. Yeah, it's a pretty big difference. So. 5G yeah. probably won't surpass 4G in terms of FWA until about 2025. Right. And that's when they hit 200 million. So okay. it becomes an even split. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, the, the ethos behind um, that 100 million number, which is still, you know, if without 5G, that number wouldn't be possible until 2024. So um, I, I still think, you know, overall... That 300 million number still incorporates, uh, you know, 50 some million in uh, um, 4G still existing. So I think we're, we're, we're still very much looking at, you know, 4G growth. Um, it looks like 4G FWA will continue to grow until 2024, which is yeah. when it is 100 million. Um, and I think that's fair if when you think about uh, how many countries are still going to be rolling out 5G networks up until 2024. And, and if you look at like, you know, the topology, let's say even Verizon and AT&T, um, they're not going to have their mid-band networks really fully rolled out until 2024. And even T-Mobile has a lot of spectrum that they're going to be getting in 2024. So yeah. um, I, I feel I think this is a fairly reasonable projection when you incorporate 4G. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. I mean, highly detailed. And let's make sure we include the link when, um, when we post the podcast we'll um, this week, for sure. Um, but let me hit my third and final topic this week. And I want to talk about Verizon. And um, they recently had an executive depart and was actually their consumer group CEO, Manon Brule. Um, she stepped down after less than a year. And then um, Hans uh, Vestberg, the CEO, announced that he would be assuming her responsibilities. So, I mean, I don't want to read anything, you know, in the tea leaves here. But, um, but you know, Verizon's had, you know, some stumbles and, you know, in recent, uh, you know, time with uh, not only financials, but just, you know, deploying its 5G network. 
Um, obviously, it's it probably has the, the biggest gap to overcome we've talked about in the past with respect to um, building out its mid-band spectrum assets, right? To support 5G just beyond its ultra-wideband millimeter wave service. But um, the optics on this don't don't feel great, you know? So I, I don't know. Am I reading too much into it? I'd love to get your, your insight. Um, I think it, I think it doesn't look good at all. Um, but I also know that Vodafone's Vodafone Group's CEO also stepped down. I saw that, um, and that they will have the CFO take take their take his place. So, um, and then she and she's the CFO. You know, so like that's very much a similar kind of scenario where um, it sounds like both of these departures were not necessarily planned. Right, um, and. When you think about that, you know, having a planned, uh, you know, succession is important for such a large company. Um, I think Verizon has a lot of problems, um, and I think replacing um, her will not really solve them. I think yeah. a lot of Verizon's problems, uh, I believe, come from uh, the board level um, because you know these executives, for the most part, are chosen by the board. Um, so. If they're choosing people that can't even stay a year, um, that's not really a good look on the board. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Hans can only do so much. I, you know, I think a lot of people were very excited to see Hans Vesberg join the company. But like, yeah. you know, operators are there. I like to call them uh, tankers. They're like very slow moving ships. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it takes a lot of tugboats to get them to change direction um, or many miles or many, you know, years to move yeah, so i yeah. think um verizon is on the on a good path to yeah. change um and to becoming a competitive carrier again but i think the last few years have really damaged their reputation with customers yeah. um and i think you know they're leaning into millimeter wave um really hurt them um you know they could have talked about 5g in a different way yeah. and i think that they overhyped it um, and I think they hurt themselves by doing so. And I think they've also hurt the 5G market sentiment overall, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I agree. And uh, they, they are on the right path. I mean, they're doing all the right things. I mean, they're they're deploying their um, their C-band, mid-band, you know, assets. And that's, as you and I predicted, um, that was going to take them, you know, a pretty good amount of time. And just, you know, the profile of that spectrum requires, you know, densification. And we've talked about that as well. But they're on that path, but, you know, again, we, we may see additional executive departures and consolidations, um, you know, within Verizon going forward. But with that said, um, let's hit your third and final topic this week. And you want to talk about Deutsche Telekom and some claims that they recently made about 5G coverage in Germany. Yeah, so they recently announced, I think this was a few days ago, um, that their 5G network now covers 94% uh, of the German population, um, which is actually quite impressive when you consider how big Germany is mm -hmm. um, and how many people live in Germany. Um, and I think uh, they they really have demonstrated um, how well they can roll out this network and get the spectrum that they need um, to make it possible. Yeah. What, what I find impressive, so when I was over in Europe, you know, I, I always uh, have an opportunity to kind of uh, pick the brains of um, the folks that live in Europe. And 
Uh, one, one of the things that I learned is that right now, economically speaking, um, Germany is the most prosperous country within the European Union. Um, and that's no surprise when you look at the diversification of, of their industry and that sort of thing. And certainly the luxury car segment that, yeah. that the Germans dominate there. Uh, and I'm not surprised to see that they're claiming this sort of coverage because um, we're hearing news from all of the major German automobile manufacturers and how they are going to aggressively lean into 5G to fully automate their manufacturing operations so that they can, you know, um, you know, do things, you know, from a from a quality control perspective and improve efficiency. And, you know, my middle name is Seifert. So um, I have some German heritage in my family. And the Germans are always very focused on the precise nature of what they're doing. And really 5G can um, can really bring a lot of disruption into the automobile manufacturing arena with smart manufacturing and that sort of thing. So um, I'm not surprised to see this. And um, you yeah, know, it's something that Deutsche Telekom continues to lean into from a private wireless perspective. So, And I was just going to add some more statistics. This is yeah. kind of from a release that they gave out. They said they expect to hit 99% of the population by 2025. Mm -hmm. um, they said that they have 80,000 antennas currently transmitting 5G, um, of which 8,000 will be providing 5G in the 3.6 gigahertz band by the end of the year, which is mid-band. Um, they also said that they uh, have 5G in 700, 2.1, and 3.6 gigahertz, and that their 2.1 is technically available uh, for standalone. Um, mm -hmm. And then... Uh, what else do I see here? Um, you know, that 700 megahertz is probably providing, doing the real heavy lifting on that coverage number. The coverage, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're talking about fiber as well um, and how they're trying to uh, add two more million households uh, by the end of the year as well. Um, and they want to increase the, their overall fiber reach to, to, to a total of 5.2 million customers by yeah. the end of this year. So... Um, they're also pushing on fiber while well, they're also pushing 5G, which sounds very much like an AT&T strategy. It sure does. Um, but it's really interesting to see how Deutsche Telekom is kind of like a hybrid approach between T-Mobile and AT&T, um, where they've built this coverage layer, but they also are working on mid-band, and they're also working on fiber simultaneously. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a huge surprise. Deutsche Telekom is, uh, I, I think either a majority owner of T-Mobile or almost a majority owner of T-Mobile US. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, AT&T strategy is pretty solid as well. So um, it's just been really interesting to see how well Deutsche Telekom is doing. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to go to Germany next year and experience the network for myself. Yeah. And I'm hoping to get over there as well. There, there's an opportunity that might, might bring me there. But, you know, from my perspective, DT is doing everything right. I mean, they're, they, they've got the right, you know, approach with, with Spectrum, um, they're doing all the right things from my perspective, from a you know a monetization standpoint, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's an impressive stat and kind of based on everything that you uh, were able to cite there, I think that all, that absolutely backs up you know their claim that they're hitting the majority of uh, coverage in, in in Germany there. But hey, bud, it's been another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific five G topic for a future podcast please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Willtown Tech and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great rest of your week and please tune in again next week.